Well, good afternoon, Journey Church. How y'all doing today? Are you excited to be here? Man, it is great to always worship together and lift up the name of the Lord. And it's just great to see everybody's smiling faces on this beautiful day. Hey, listen, I just want to take a quick moment uh, to welcome those of you who are here for the first time. My name is Jay. My wife, Stacy, and I are the lead pastors here at Journey. And we're honored to have you as our guest today. And you came on a special weekend. And the reason why is because we have some very dear friends of ours that are in town with us this weekend. Pastors Jim and Tamara Graff are pastors at uh, Faith Family Church over in Victoria, Texas. Great church doing great things for the Lord. Let me tell you how we met them. Uh, we actually were at probably one of the lowest points in our life. Uh, it was about a month after the flood happened, and we were at our house. It was, you know, disarray, and a church that was in disarray, a community that was recovering from everything that was going on. And we got a call from an organization that they started many years ago called Significant Church Network, and they didn't even know what we were going through, but they reached out to us to invite us to come out down to Victoria to be a part of a pastor's roundtable that they were doing. And this is what they said, hey, you come down here, we'll put you up in a hotel for a couple days, and you get to interact with some other pastors. And since we were living in a 23-foot travel trailer at that time, my wife said, I don't know these people, but hotel room, let's go. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience for us to go down there, to be able to connect with Jim and Tamara, and just be able to begin to feel their heart for the body of Christ. And since that time, we've become dear friends with them. We love them so much. And so we invited them to come and be with us this weekend. And Jim has done an amazing job uh, in the last two services of just sharing uh, from his heart what the Word of God says to us about growing in our relationship with the Lord. And so, Journey Church, would you do me a great big favor? Would you uh, give a great big Journey Church welcome to my good friend, Pastor Jim Graff. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's, it's, you're, you're the smart bunch. You got a really good night's sleep before you came to church, right? And uh, we're thrilled to be here. My wife and I have been looking forward to being here at Journey Church because uh, when you're a pastor, you don't travel out much on weekends, right? You just go out a few times. So when you go, you really like when you both do your best to bless people, but you know that you're going to be blessed and refreshed in return. And you guys have such amazing pastors. I mean, every time we're with them, we feel value added. Are you grateful for your pastors this morning, huh? I know you are. And I tell my wife this a lot. I love the spirit of our church like I like the spirit of your church. And in a world where so many people want something from you, it's so awesome to come to a place where you can feel people wanting for you, right? So it's good to be with you and, and just to feel the spirit of this place. You know, I, I read something funny before I came. How many of y'all just like to laugh? There's this guy that was four foot six inches. He called himself a midget. And he said he was walking down the street the other day and somebody pickpocketed him. And he said, I knew society was bad, but I didn't think it could get that low. <laughs> think about it when you go home. You may get that one, right? So, well, listen, let's pray and let's get in the word of God. All right. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we know that sometimes we have to learn to get beyond ourselves. Father, beyond the ways that we thought about you when we were little, beyond experiences we have that have caused our heart not to listen to you well. Lord, we have to get beyond those to really experience who you are. And Jesus, we pray today that we'll learn to experience you for who you are. And Lord, that we'll love our lives as much as you want us to love our lives because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, I want to start this teaching by asking you a question, and it's a question that I asked myself when I started to prepare the message, because I thought that if I answered the question, maybe it would help me understand better what Jesus was trying to help the man in our story to understand. And here's the question, when you became a Christ follower, did you do it because you despised the life that you were living? Now, if you got saved because you despised the life you were living, would you lift your hand if that's you? Okay, a few of you here, because for sure sin scars us, sin robs from us, and because of the fact that it steals from us and scars us, you know, we come to the point where, man, we're looking for, for God to make a difference and to help us. But for a lot of you, in fact, most of you this morning, you didn't raise your hand because you were a really happy sinner. You were doing just fine in your sinful lifestyle. And that would have been the case with me. I didn't come to Christ because I was, you know, not happy at all with my life. But I came because I determined that Jesus Christ was true. And if he was true, I didn't want to miss the abundant life that somebody told me that he wanted to give me. And that was much the case of the man that we're going to study today. His name was Nicodemus. And he had a challenge that, that the writer of Hebrews described really, really well because in the days of Hebrews, there were a lot of Jewish Christians who had fallen in love with tradition and fallen in love with certain parts of church. And that's easy to do. You know, when I was a kid, church gave me enough morality. It gave me enough theology to think I was going to heaven. And because of those things, I was a pretty happy guy. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that when we come to Jesus, that the difference between Jesus and religion is massive. And he says this when he starts his book, that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And then he said, the son's the radiance of God's glory, and he's the exact representation of his being. In other words, what he's saying is that when Jesus came, we got a better look at how God really felt about man and how he wanted us to, to relate to God. And, and so if you've never studied the book of Hebrews, he talks about things like, you know, you know about angels, but remember, Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is the one that they bow down and worship to uh, worship when we get to heaven. And you've heard about Moses, and he gave us the law, but listen, Jesus is so much better than Moses. And we love Joshua because he led us into the promised land, but listen, Jesus is so much better than Joshua. He's the only reason we can make it to a promised land that's called heaven. And when Jesus taught, he said that basically the Old Testament can be put into two different categories. You have the law that God gave us because God wanted us to know we're not perfect people. He sent his son because he wanted to save us as imperfect people. And then God gave us the prophets, and God gave us the prophets because God wanted us to have an appropriate awe in our hearts for who he is. And I've read the Bible 41 times at this point in my life, but I remember as a 17-year-old kid when I first started reading the prophets, and I began to study deeply a book 
by, by a guy named Josh McDowell called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And in that book, he would share how all these prophecies in the Old Testament that people predicted hundreds of years in advance that they were coming true. And man, I was like in awe. I thought, well, God really did write this book. And this isn't just something calling me to better behavior. This is a message sent by the creator of the universe to me. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to that point for a reason that we're going to understand when we study the dialogue between Jesus and this man in, in John chapter 3. And the dialogue is really going to help us understand why our lives don't get a lot better. And it really has to do with the perspective that God wants to fix. Now let's start in John 3 where the Bible says this. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. Now the Jewish ruling council was made up of 71 men from all across Israel his president was the high priest of Israel, and the other 70 men had to get voted onto the council first by being nominated by their local rabbi, and then they had to be approved by the high priest. Jewish tradition says that Nicodemus was the youngest and also one of the wealthiest people who was ever appointed to the ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God weren't with him. So notice that he said to Jesus, there's two things that really attract me to you. Number one, it's that when you teach, you teach different than other people. I feel the heart of God different from you whenever you teach. And then the miracles that you do, the, the miracles Jesus did were because he was accredited by God with signs, wonders, and miracles. So this man knew that there had to be something very special about Jesus. But he came at night because remember, these were the people who literally had Jesus crucified, right? The council that he was a part. So it was courageous for him to come at night. And then Jesus did something that I love to watch him do in scripture. The man didn't even ask him a question, but Jesus answered the question that the man should have been asking in his heart. And Jesus answered him or replied to him, very truly, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus responded, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and also of the spirit. So Jesus began to talk to him about three things that make a huge difference in our Christian life. And the first thing he talked about was the born-again experience. Now, I was raised Catholic. I went through 18 years of CCD. My parents were on Paris Council. My mama taught me Sunday school all of my life. But can I tell you, I had no idea what it meant to be born again. And when someone told me, you know, Jim, you need to be born again, I would have responded like Nicodemus. Hey, I was nine pounds, eight ounces the day I was born. My mama told me I was the last one because she thought she was going to die. So I guarantee you that at 6'2", 225, I'm not crawling back up into my mama's womb and coming out a second time. Can you say amen? I didn't understand what the born-again experience was. I, I hardly knew really why Jesus came. I had one friend 
who had a bumper sticker that said, Honk if you love Jesus. And man, we wore that kid out for having that bumper sticker on his car because even though I had a life of religion, I didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. And notice the next verse because Jesus said in verse 7, he said, Now Nicodemus, you should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. Later in verse 10, he said, you're Israel's teacher and you don't understand the things that I'm talking about. And Jesus was saying that because he was talking about the heart of Christianity. And before I end this message today, you're gonna understand that the reason that most Christians don't enjoy church and God, the reason society doesn't flock to church like it, it, it should is because we don't understand the heart of Christianity the way that we should. You know, I'll never forget after I became a believer that I was, uh, you know, on the baseball team and the basketball team in my high school, and I started bringing some friends to church. And one day I brought this guy named Yaki with me. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He was the power forward on our basketball team. He was the catcher on our baseball team. And he was a, the middle linebacker on the football team. Which literally means there was not a collision that Yaki didn't enjoy. Can you say amen? But I'll tell you, when we talked about getting high, it wasn't his vertical jump. There was something else going on in his life, all right? He, he drove a purple Volkswagen. I was really shocked. He was one of the first guys who had come to church with me. And I still remember we were sitting in church, and afterwards he said to me, he said, Jim, he said, what do you think they do with that money that's put in the bucket? And then he said to me, he said, and you know what? He said, I don't like those people. He said, I don't think any of them would like me to date their daughters. And I said, well, Yaki, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't want you to date her either, bro. You've you got some issues. And he said, well, you got me there. And then later, we went to a, 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 a swim party. It was a teen swim party. And this was like a real hard shell Baptist church. But the, the pastor was a pretty cool young guy, so I like going there. And when we got there, I'll never forget, everybody had t-shirts on at this this uh, swim party and it was August and I'm thinking it's hot why do you have swimming trunks on and I came walking up I didn't have a speedo on or anything I just had a regular swimming suit on and the deacon tapped me on the shoulder and he said Jim uh, we're glad you came but you can't stay at the swim party and I said why and he said well, don't you see everybody has a t-shirt on and I said well I did kind of notice that and he said well he said if you want to stay you got to go home and put a t-shirt on and I said well why and he said well we don't want the, the we don't want the girls to lust after you at the swim party and I looked back and I said well there ain't no unchurch girls lusting after me for 18 years surely we don't have to worry about church girls now do we and when I said that, Yaki was like, yes, I love that preaching. You know, I could see him out of the corner of my eye. And I'll never forget, as we walked to the car, he said to me, he said, Jim, I don't need those people talking about the church. He said, I don't need those people. He said, man, you be my pastor. Now, I'd never read my Bible. I thought the book of Job was written about how to get a job. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And I looked at him, I said, what? He said, you be my pastor. He said, because you're not looking at my habits. You're looking at my heart. You're looking at who God can make me. Come on, somebody. That's what church is all about. Can you say amen? And that's what Jesus says is the first part of what he wants us to experience is a new birth. 
something that changes the very heart of who we are. And Nicodemus, you know, when Jesus said, you shouldn't be surprised, it's because the very heart of the Old Testament is that God wanted to live with us and he wanted to make us into new people. Ezekiel 36, it says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and your idols and I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit on the inside of you. He said, I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I remember that's what happened to me. I remember whenever suddenly I had this desire to read the Bible that I didn't have before. I had a desire to live a different kind of life than I'd lived before. And honestly, I didn't have the theology to understand it, but something was happening. God had made me a new person on the inside. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't do any longer. In other words, he says, when we come to church, we shouldn't be viewing people based on the problems that they have in their life. We shouldn't view them based on the past that they've participated in. We shouldn't view them on the pedigree or the family that they came from. But he said the way we should view people is that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The new has come, the old is gone, and next it says all of this comes from God. So Jesus was helping Nicodemus know that, listen, God's hands on me because he wants people to see church differently. It's not a place where they tell us the someone that we are becoming should be better. It's, or the, the, the things we're doing should be better. It's a place where God wants us to know the someone we can be can be so much better. And, and, and then Jesus went on, and do you notice he talked about a new spirit? And then he talked about clean water, and he talked about God putting his spirit in us. And, and the new birth changes our hearts, but then the word begins to change the habits that we live with in our life. And Jesus said this in John 15, 3. He said, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So what's the purpose of the word? Once we know who we can be, then the word begins to clean us. It begins to make us healthier. It begins to refresh us in life. Can you say amen? I love Ephesians 5 where it talks about the role of a, a man in his home and it says, men, you're to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And you're to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Now, I have a wife who loves to bring stray dogs into our house and to love them. And how many of y'all ever tried to give a stray dog a bath? Can I see your hand? Man, it's hard to do, right? Because he just doesn't see himself as clean. But my wife is amazing. She will take this stray dog and she'll just begin to love him and speak good to him and, and, and give him some food until she wins his heart. And pretty soon, I love it. This, this little stray dog loves to get a bath and he loves to smell better than he ever smelled. And, and the Bible says that's when life begins to change, when... First of all, we want to new, be a new person, and we're not feeling like somebody's speaking down to us when we come to church, but we're feeling like somebody's telling us we can have the life that we really wanted to have. And the world is filled with people who sit in church, and they wanted a certain kind of marriage because maybe they went through difficulty growing up, maybe they went through pain growing up. 
and they come to church and if all you hear in church is that you're not good enough and you don't measure up you're never going to fall in love with Jesus but if you come to church and you hear Jesus saying to you I see in you a person who can have the marriage that you've always wanted you've always had a desire in you to start a company and I'm going to help you start the company that you've always wanted to start you know what you've always had this dream to be a certain kind of blessing to the world and I'm going to help you grow into the person who becomes that kind of blessing listen that changes everything about church when I first started going to church most of it you know most of what I heard every week was man I, I need to get better and it's because that's how church was. I remember as a kid, I was just about 10 years old. It was August and it was hot. And my mom asked me to go to the grocery store with her. And I'd been playing wiffle ball all day. I was thirsty. I got in that grocery store and I saw the, 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 the fruit section. And there were some great grapes in that fruit section. And I could just hear them calling my name. Can you say amen? There weren't any veggie tales at that time, but I heard them just singing to me. We can satisfy you. We, are, we taste great. And so sure enough, I plucked a couple of those grapes off of the shelf, put them in my mouth. And wouldn't you know it, at the very moment that that grape was going from my fingers into my mouth, the most religious lady in our town came with her shopping cart. And she said, Jimmy, the moment you stole a dark spot went on your soul and I remember 11 years old thinking man if that's true my soul is dark as coal at this point in my life <laughs> now listen how many of you are glad Jesus doesn't put the dark spots on you he takes them off you come on somebody he can cleanse your soul right and, and, and that was that was my concept of religion that it was just going to convince me I was a sinner and I didn't need a lot of convincing I knew I was can you say amen it wasn't that God would make me somebody great. And, and I remember later that her grandson was one of my good friends. And at that same grocery store, we, we walked by one day and the bubblegum machine, somebody had broken it. And we thought it was an answer to prayer. We started taking the bubblegum. We started shoving it in our pockets as little boys. And we weren't smart enough to, to, to figure out what would happen that somebody would see us. We just took it. And later... The, the store manager called his grandmother and she made him write 500 times thou shalt not steal on a piece of paper I remember leaving thinking man I'm glad she's not my grandmama and then I got home and she called my parents and my parents made me go to the store and he gave me a lecture on juvenile delinquency and and why I needed to obey the law but I'm telling you, you know what you know my friend he never served God got into drugs got into alcohol his life went downhill he's not even alive today why because when he came to somebody who was supposed to teach him about God he didn't hear what I'm telling you this morning that listen I don't care what you've done I don't care who you've been sleeping with I don't care what's been done to you or what you've done to anybody else today I want you to hear the message of the gospel and that is God can make you the person you always dreamed of becoming can somebody give me a great big amen this morning amen the Christianity is not about just being reformed it's not about reformation but Christianity is about transformation 
And that's what Jesus wanted this guy to understand. Listen, I, I told you earlier I made a joke, but it really is true that when I was 18 years old, I walked into a Bible study. It said on the top of it, the book of J-O-B. And I thought, this is awesome because my parents want me to get a good job and I'm going to learn how to from the Bible. And I didn't know a thing about the Bible, but inside of me, there was a young guy who had a, a burning passion to teach my friends about God. The ones who came to church and or the ones that didn't come to church and their hearts were hurting because they didn't know who God was. There was a burning passion to begin to live that life. And when Jesus challenged Nicodemus, it, it's interesting to me because here he is, Nicodemus, he had his whole set of questions that he wanted to ask Jesus. And Jesus didn't even listen to his question. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus began to challenge the cynical parts of his heart that God needed to address if he was ever going to experience the power God had to bless his life. And I can tell you, I've had God do that. I've had God challenge the cynical parts of my life. When I was a young believer and I'd hear people talk about faith, I'd think, ah, that's not that, that big a deal. My parents taught me to believe in myself and, and, and I know you need to be positive. And then I learned that faith had nothing to do with being positive. It had to do with really relying upon God and letting God bring forth this person that, that was better than the person I even dreamed of becoming. And faith was about believing I could, I could be a preacher, even though the hardest class I had in my Christian university was Bible survey. Faith was believing that dreams could come true, that I didn't have the power or the capacity to pull off. You see, when Jesus was allowed to challenge that, that cynical part of me, he could create something that would never be created if I didn't believe in him like he wanted me to believe in him. Or maybe for some of you today, you come from a broken past and when you hear, you know, love taught in the church, there's part of you that's just cynical about that because, you know, you believe, oh yeah, that, that's never going to happen. And Jesus wants you to get rid of that cynical part and say, you know what the challenge is that, that we're having in our home? God said love will never fail. And if we learn what love is, it can help us create the environment that we've longed to live in for such a long time. And so Jesus in this text, he's helping us understand why religion doesn't change people's life that much. And it's because none of us wants somebody to come up to us and tell us all the things we're doing wrong. Can you say amen? But when you realize that's not Christianity, but Christianity is God looking at you through the greatest eyes of love that have ever looked at you in all your life and saying, can I tell you why I died? Can I tell you? why I took all the sacrifice that I took. Can I tell you why I came from heaven? Because I see a you that I'm so passionate about you living a happy and satisfied life. And then it's about letting God clean us up and begin to deal with habits. You know, I've got a lady in my church who says this. She says, Pastor, listen, you, you keep preaching the word because if I ain't squirming, I ain't learning. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? But see, we're supposed to be squirming because of how excited we are about what God can make our life. And then the third thing that Jesus said was this. He said, not only is a relationship with God about the new birth and about new habits through his word, 
But he said it's about what the Spirit of God can do in your life. And he said the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was saying that true Christianity is about growing a heart that becomes a person you could have never become without God. True Christianity is about getting things cleaned up in your life. That if you don't get them cleaned up, you're going to stay unhealthy. And you're going you're gonna to long and thirst for a life that you're never going to have the privilege to live. And then he said true Christianity is about the Holy Spirit doing something in your life. Bringing to pass things in your life that you could never experience if he wasn't so great. Now, I want to close this message with two stories. One is a story of a guy who pastors a church in Uganda, East Africa. It's the largest church in East Africa. He has a network that goes across Africa. He puts my teaching on his network free every single week over in Africa. And uh, I'm going to tell you how I got to know him. He, when I was in my 30s, I came home one day and how many of you remember the days we had phone mates? Anybody remember those days we had phone mates? So I came home and I heard, Pastor Jim, blah, 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 blah. and I thought, somebody's drunk. Somebody drunk called my phone mate. So I just didn't pay any attention to it. And about three weeks later, he says, Pastor Jim, this is Robert Kayanja. I'm at the Victoria Regional Airport. I came to see you. I called you a while back. I thought, oh, no, I knew him because he was T.L. Osborne's spiritual son. If any of y'all knew T.L. Osborne. So I drove to the airport, brought him back to my house. And he said, Pastor Gene, he said, I was in Dr. Cho's church preaching in, in South Korea. And he said, God told me, go see Jim Graff. He's going to help you develop your campus that I'm calling you to build. So he said, I want to talk to you about what's in my heart because I'm supposed to build this campus. So I said, okay, tell me what's in your heart. And he described this beautiful place he was going to call the Miracle Center with 10,000 seats. It had a glass front that was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the people of Uganda would just be aghast at this place. Now let me tell you something about Robert. He was one of 13 children born to an Anglican minister. His brother is the Archbishop of Canterbury in the Anglican Church in England. And when Robert was just a young man, Jesus appeared to him. And he said, this country is going to go through lots of pain and difficulty. And I'm going to give you an anointing to tell my people how much I love them. And you're going to see signs and healings and miracles. As a 12-year-old boy, he went to his dad, who I met, you know, later when I did his pastor's conference, and he said, Dad, Jesus just appeared to me. And his dad thought he went nuts. And uh, later his dad was in his church and loved him, but he thought he went nu was nuts. But sure enough, when he's 17, he's holding an umbrella. And T.L. Osborne has come to Uganda to, to, to preach to the masses. And they need an umbrella because it's so hot. And they come and say, does anybody have an umbrella? Robert says, yes. But if, if you take my umbrella, I'm going with it because that was his prized possession. And as he held up the umbrella, he got to know T.L. Osborne. And T.L. Osborne took him 
and trained him in how to do these mass meetings because God's hand was on him. And as a young man, his church was growing. And he said to me, I'm supposed to build this building. And listen, folks, I said, well, how much are your offerings every week? And he told me. And I said, well, if you live to be a thousand years old, we can get this building built. But if the Holy Spirit is talking to you about building this building, let's just join hands and trust him that he's going to do something great. And so we prayed. And listen to what happened. He went to South Korea to preach again. He was in a church of about 800 people. Somebody came up to him and said, Robert, will you come pray for my mother? Well, he got so many requests like that. He couldn't do it all the time. But he felt like the Holy Spirit said, yes, you do that. So he went with this lady to her mother. She'd been in a coma for days. The doctors never thought she'd come out of the coma. He prayed for her and God healed her instantly. He went back to Uganda not thinking much about it when the next day he found out that that was the mother of one of the wealthiest Buddhist men in all of South Korea and he sent him the money for most of his building. Come on somebody, the Holy Spirit can do things. We don't know how he's going to do it. But you say, well I'm not Robert Kianja. So let me tell you another story. I was in my church and a lady came up to me brokenhearted about her daughter who had run away from home. And it was my third service. We had three services at the time, much like today. It was my last one. And I said, well, let's pray. And I prayed, Holy Spirit, help her find her daughter. And she was a new Christian. And she took that prayer really, really seriously. And so... <laughs> Two weeks later, she was back in church, and she said, Pastor, thank you so much for that prayer. I said, well, good. What happened? She said, well, she said, I went home, and I started saying, Holy Spirit, you know where my daughter is. And she said, the Lord spoke to me, and he told me my daughter was in Dairy Queen in San Marcos, Texas, 110 miles from here. I said, really? She said, yeah. So she said, I went to, in the car. And I went to Dairy Queen, and she said, there was my daughter sitting right in the middle of Dairy Queen. And she said, Mama, how'd you know I was here? She said, God told me. And the girl repented of her sins and gave her life to God and got back in church. Come on, somebody. That's awesome, huh? And that's what Christianity is. Everybody say, new spirit. New spirit. Not coming to church and struggling with the person that we've been, the person we wish that we were. Not coming and feeling less than when we come to church, but knowing that God has a plan that's greater than that he wants to bring forth in our life. And then it's new habits. Everybody say new habits. New habits. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm really glad you came to church today. Would you go ahead and do that? New habits, better habits, where you see that somebody is, is working hard. I remember counseling a, a girl who was really struggling to get her marriage together and her husband was with her and I, I was talking to him and she said well pastor she said what you're saying ain't going to fix anything and I said well thank you for your honesty and and I said why do you say that she said well because the bible says you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling and my husband ain't trembling much um, you know that's a problem right new person new habits 
Holy Spirit happenings. That's why we come to church. So would you put your hand on your heart? I want to pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for people that have come to your house today. And Lord, I don't know how many of them are like my friend who had negative words spoken over them. Lord, all they ever heard was that they weren't good enough at this. They, they should have done this better. But Lord, I thank you that when you see us, you don't see us according to our pedigree, where we come from, according to our problems, the mistakes we've made. God, you don't see us according to the past. But God, you see the person that we can become. And Lord, I pray this morning over this church that Lord, you'll help every person here. God, not settle for the person they are today, but God, to dream about the person that you're calling them to be. And Lord, I thank you for your word that's cleaning us up, that's refreshing us. Lord, when we come, we feel like we're getting coached to be even better than we've been. And Lord, I thank you for Holy Spirit happenings. God, I pray for the people who are here today that, Lord, they'll know how much you love them by the powerful things that the Holy Spirit makes happen in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, can we keep our heads bowed for just one more minute? And I know every time we come to church, there are folks just like me that you've come today. And when I was 17, I realized that something had to happen if I was going to love God. And what that something was was Romans chapter 10 where it says that we have to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. And we have to let him work in our heart to become our Lord. And what happened to change my life was I realized that even the devil believes in God. But when we believe Jesus is Lord and we let him work in our hearts, what he begins to do is he begins to forgive us of all of our sins. He begins to let us know we don't have to stay in our flaws God can take us somewhere so much better. He begins to work, and the Bible says he wants to heal our hurts, the place where sin has scarred us. Jesus wants to bring success on the other side. Jesus begins to restore us where sin has robbed us, and he begins to bring to pass those dreams that, that we always wanted to see fulfilled whenever we were just young kids. And if you're here today, maybe that's not who God is to you. You know, I talked to someone recently, and they said, Jim, I don't love God. Can you help me? know why I don't love God and I said yeah I can tell you why the Bible says we love God because he first loved us until you let God love you until you let God forgive you heal you restore you work in your life you're never gonna love God until you let God first love you and if you're here today and you say Jim you know that's what I want I know in my heart that I don't have a personal relationship with God I know him in my head but I want to know them in my heart. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up high right now all over this place? Just say today, I want to have a personal relationship with God. Just wave your hand at me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. The Bible says he stands at your heart's door and he knocks. And every single one of us know today, is he, is he outside the door? And do I need to let him inside? Or is he inside really loving me and blessing me? And today, if he's on the outside, I want to encourage you to start a relationship with the Lord. If that's you today, would you just wave your hand? Just say, Jim, today, I want to, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. God bless you. God bless you over there. Amen. God bless you. Anybody else? Okay, one last question. Is anybody here today that you served God at one time, but you strayed? 
And today you want to come back to him. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Today you want to come back to the Lord. God bless you over there. Anybody else? Right over there. Awesome. Right there. Anybody else? Awesome. Okay, let's all look up. And hey, can we give a hand clap to all those who are getting ready to pray this today? And let's put our hand and our heart with them and let's pray this prayer. Let's say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for coming to earth so we'd know how real God's love is and how awesome his ability to change any life really is. Today, Lord, I accept you in my heart. Thank you for forgiveness. And now, Lord, I look forward to your love and your leadership taking me places I can never go without you. Lord, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for showing us God's love. I want to live for God and live in your best all the days of your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Come on, let's give him a great big hand clap today. What a great message. I, one of the things he said that, that really struck me, and he said it in the first service as well, is Christianity is not just about reformation, it's about transformation. It's about God changing us and shaping us day after day. And year after year as we're walking with the Lord. Uh, you know, here, here's the thing. When we come to Christ, none of us, we have our act together completely. And we're perfect in that moment. We are forgiven. We are in relationship with God. But that when we step into the family of God, from that point forward, we begin to walk with the Lord and allow him to change us day after day. That's a process called sanctification. And so I, I was reminded of... Uh, Tyler had come to me uh, some weeks back and told me, said, Dad, me and my friend Derek, we, we want to start making some furniture. And I was kind of like, well, well, son, I, I don't know about that. Do you know how to make furniture? He said, oh, yeah, when I lived in Arkansas, I did some work at a furniture company up there. And so I was kind of like, well, well, okay, go for it. And uh, a couple weeks, I guess about a week or so ago, he was at the house and he was strapping down a tabletop that they had redone and it was made out of cypress cedar whatever I can't remember but it was absolutely beautiful and I walked out and I'm like son you did this you and Derek did this and he was like yeah and I said man this is beautiful and he said oh you, you should have seen what it looked like before we started you know what it reminded me that that's what our lives are like before we come to Christ we're, we're a mess and guess what even after we come to Christ there may still be some messiness within your life that you allow the Holy Spirit to change you and shape you and change the habits within your life. And day by day, you grow closer to the Lord. Amen? And so today, here, here's what I want to ask you to do. In this room, some of you raised your hand to give your heart to Christ or to recommit your heart to Christ. Do me a favor, if you would. Take out one of the Connect cards from the seat back pocket of the chair there in front of you. And, and fill it out. Check out the little box that says, Today I gave my heart to Jesus. And you can do one of two things with it. You can drop it at the Welcome Center in the foyer. Or what I'd rather you do is actually uh, bring it up to one of our prayer team at the conclusion of the service. They're going to talk to you about your next steps in your walk with Christ. They're going to encourage you and pray with you. And, and also, church family, if you need prayer for anything, don't walk out of here with anything weighing heavy on your heart. 
but come let our prayer team pray with you and encourage you and minister to you. So, Jim, we're so blessed by your words today. Thank you and Tamara for coming today. Let's go ahead and give them another great big hand clap. And let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to go and invite our prayer team to make their way here to the front in our altar area. And as we leave out of here, don't ever forget this. We don't just go to church. Love you guys. Be blessed. We will see you back here next week.